we are in the middle of, almost the middle, of a sermon series, and I'm, uh, I, I like this one. Uh, it's, I don't believe in church, and the whole purpose of this sermon series is so that you can invite people who have had problems with church. Either they have not experienced church, or maybe they've experienced too much church, if you know what I mean. Been hurt by the church, been burned by the church, uh, see hypocrisy and other things. So some of the topics that we came up with, we asked people in a survey, the number one response or the, the problem that people have in church is hypocrisy. And that's what we covered last week. So if you'd like to hear that one, you can go back on our website, our YouTube channel, on our Facebook page, and listen to that one. But today, we're going to be talking about gossip. We're going to be talking about each other. Okay. <laughs> I thought, yeah, it's not funny when I have to explain it. Uh, and then we're going to talk about judgment. And then the final one was actually, the, the category is called division. But I wanted to end on a positive note. So I'm going to talk about how do you overcome division to get towards the unity that Christ calls us to. So that's what we're about today. We're going to talk about gossip. We're going to talk about each other. Now, before we get there, has anybody noticed how expensive things are getting? Like a little bit of inflation going on? Yeah. So I was uh, looking at matches the other day. I'm not going to tell you why. But <clears throat> get this, a 250-count box of kitchen matches, and I broke it down per match because I'm just curious that way, cost two cents. Did you know that just a year ago they cost less than one cent? I bet you don't track these things. <laughs> why would I track these things? Again, I'm not going to tell you. The statute of limitations is not up yet. But... There's 250 of these bad boys. I priced the box two cents. It's actually 1.56 cents, but you have to round up, all right? Two cents for a match. So if I were to ask you how much does a single match cost, you could tell me two cents. Put a pin in that. Hold that thought for just a second. How many of you have heard about all the wildfires that are going on across the nation and the world, for that matter? Yeah, no, no, no. Okay, not a lot of wildfires here in Houston, right? Unless it's a helmet, what we call a helmet fire, like my brain explodes, right? But there are wildfires going on, and the cost of wildfires is going up. And get this, here's some interesting statistics. The annual cost to fight fires in the U.S. is estimated to be about $2 billion. Let that sink in for just a second. The cost of fighting wildfires, $2 billion a year. And 84% of those are caused by humans. Smokey Bear is shaking his head somewhere. Only you can prevent forest fires. Anybody remember that? Okay, good. I like three of us. Awesome. All right. So 84% are caused by humans. So if I did my math right, that means that humans are costing us about $1.68 billion just in wildfires. Now, where do those wildfires come from? matches. Again, Smokey Bear is shaking his head somewhere, so let me ask the question again. How much does that match cost? Two cents or $1.68 billion? I'm like, Bill, that's a ridiculous comparison. Actually, no. No, it's not. Because what we're going to learn today is that some of the things that we do that are just a small thing, like a small spark, can rage out of control and cause untold damage. If you look at the people who are living in California and some of the mountainous areas where the winds are high and firefighting is difficult, these people are being displaced. These people's homes are ruined, families fractured, communities destroyed, uprooted. The damage isn't just monetary. The damage is in the relationships. Now, how does that apply to you? Well, words have that same power. 
And that's what we're going to talk about today. When we talk about each other, words have cost. They can be profit return, or they can be destruction and loss. And that choice is up to us. Now, culture tells us something different, because I want you to complete this phrase. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will. Has that been your experience? It's not been mine. Words can be extremely hurtful. And it's exacerbated by this thing called social media because you can bully people 24-7. You can bully them right on their phone. They cannot get away from you. Words have power. So these words have tremendous opportunity to either destroy or to build. Now, James knows this. And this is what James is going to talk about today. As we, uh, if you're looking for the follow-along, it's going to be James chapter 3. <clears throat> and that's where we're going to pick up because James is dealing with a church body that has problems with words. And they're talking. And the talking is not necessarily good. The talking is getting in the way of the church doing church. The talking is getting in the way of relationships between spouses, between parents and children, between the, the community. It's fracturing the community. And if you've ever read James, uh, let me just say this. You can read it, but you will not digest it for like, I don't know, a lifetime. It's very rich. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with three, verse 3, and we're going to see what James has to say about words. He says this. When we put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, <clears throat> a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are tamed and have been tamed by human beings, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. These are the words of God for the people of God, and for these words we are grateful. <clears throat> so we have a bit of a dilemma here. The, the tongue is such a small thing, just, just a spark. But once that is spoken, it can't be unspoken. And we cannot control what happens after that. So if the tongue is fire, then gossip is the fuel so it, it when we say things it, it goes out there it can't be taken back but then what happens to it there's a whole realm of possibility that we can do as believers in jesus as followers of jesus that can control these wildfires and actually turn it from a wildfire into a campfire i just made that up all right we'll go with that so here's the thing there is a formula that i want you to notice here if you looked at the first part of james when we read it, it's uh the horses have you ever tried to turn a horse without a bit? Like just push on him? 
success, no success. I, I don't know. I'm not really a horse person. I have problems with dogs, so I can just imagine it gets, it gets worse. Or a ship. Imagine a huge ship. And have you ever stopped to think about what a small thing a rudder is compared to a ship? But that's what turns the ship. It's amazing. And have you ever considered, like I said, $1.68 billion in damage from a spark? So we don't always make these connections, but this is the connection that we need to make today because that spark is a word, and that word is uncontrollable once it leaves our mouth. And that word has a potential for great harm or great good. And here's the formula that this is highly scientific. You engineers will appreciate this. Small input plus time equals a huge result. That's what James is saying right here in chapter 3. This little thing, given time, can have a huge result. So we need to look at the tongue and how we can deal with that. And James has some suggestions here. He says, uh, first of all, the tongue is evil. The tongue is the fire. The gossip is the fuel. Now, the, how does that leave you feeling? Hey, everybody, your tongues are evil. Have a great day. Right? I'm not going to leave it there, obviously. But, but we need to understand the tremendous potential that sits right in between our teeth. The tongue is inherently evil because we are inherently fallen people if we believe that. If you believe that, oh, I'm just a good person, I always say good things, <laughs> next week will be honesty, right? We're going to talk about that. So I told you my story last week. If you weren't here, you, you heard my story of me texting in talk, and my tongue said some things that probably shouldn't have been texted. Unfortunately, I caught them before they were texted, but I'm just here to say I'm chief among you. My tongue is as evil as anybody's, but it's what we do with it that matters. So here's the thing. It's just a symptom. This is, this is better news. The tongue is evil, but the tongue is just a symptom. Well, what do you mean by that, Bill? Well, if you jump over to Matthew chapter 12, we're going to see a couple of things here. This is Jesus now. He's talking to the Pharisees, and you know how that goes, right? I don't have to ask you, how do you think that conversation went? Because it's going to be confrontational. That's just the way it is. And here's what Jesus says. He starts off with this endearing term. You brood of vipers. That's how to make friends and influence people. How can you say, uh, uh, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Did you catch that? The tongue that has the potential for evil isn't speaking by itself. It's coming from somewhere. The problem is we've disconnected our tongues from the heart, or maybe we have connected them to the heart, and what's in the heart is not good. We speak out of the overflow of our hearts. And he goes on to say, Jesus, this is still Jesus talking, good people bring good things out of the good stored up in them. Evil people bring evil things out of the evil stored up with them. So basically, you remember the old commercial, what's in your wallet? This is Jesus saying, what's in your heart? What are you storing there? And this is why things like forgiveness and letting it go are so important because if you hang on to that bitterness, if you hang on to that envy, if you hang on to that selfish ambition, it's going to grow there. It's going to fester, and it's going to appear in your words, in our words. And as we have shown, words have tremendous potential for good or bad. These words, though, can damage what's in your heart. The last thing he says, now, if some people need a carrot, some people need a stick to get motivated to do something about this. So if you're a stick person, here you go. Carrot's coming later. But I tell you, and again, Jesus is saying this, but I tell you that people will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. 
For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. How many people are starting to sweat right now? Can you imagine standing before the Creator on that final day and a complete review of every word that you've ever uttered is in review? That's why I'm so thankful for Jesus, that he can take everything that I've done and turn it for good. But man, that makes me really want to watch my tongue. In fact, it makes me not want to say anything. But that's not what we're called to either. There's got to be a better way, and there is. So what are you storing up, and why does it matter? All those things uh, are important that we take into account. But here's the thing. This doesn't have to be bad news. This whole tongue being evil, this whole speaking of the overflow of our heart, it's not bad news. In fact, it's very good news. Because there's another way that we can do this. Now, if I ask you at first what that match costs, uh, you, would, you would know that there's a, a connection to the words, and the cost of the words are sometimes far greater than we can imagine. So we need to be able to think before we speak. So we need to put a strategic pause in, in what we're thinking and what we're saying, which is not my strength. I will admit that, but I'm working on it. So before we speak, we need to think. And here are a couple of verses that, that support that. Now, what's interesting to me is that James wrote this in chapter 1 before he wrote what we read today. And here's what James says. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So here's the first strategic pause. We should be quick to listen, slow to speak. That's the first thing I want to take away. The second thing is, and this is even more in your face because, well, that's the way James is. He says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Imagine all this that you go through all the time to be a Jesus follower, to be declared worthless because of a small thing like a tongue. Uh, Bill, that doesn't sound like good news. Oh, it's getting better. Hang in there with me. Don't, don't check out on me yet. We're getting there. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to think before we speak. It's an acronym. If you like acronyms, get your phone out or get your pencil out because here it comes. Whoops, I just shot right by that. Bet you can't guess what's coming next. Anyway, all right, so think. First of all, before I say anything, I'm going to go through this acronym. Is what I'm hearing True. What if you have a doubt and you want to know if it's true? How should you find out if it's true? We talked about this in resolving everyday conflict. If I want to know something's true that you said, I'm going to go to you and ask you, hey, is this true? Not in an accusative way, but in an inquisitive way. Is this true? Because it may not even be true. Uh, and, And it may not be deliberately untrue. So you ask any police person or investigator, If you have three witnesses to a crime, how many stories will you get of what happened? Three. And it's not because the truth is being altered. It's not because someone's deliberately trying to mislead you. It's because this is what I saw, what I processed through my lens, and so this is my version of the story. Same thing happens with gossip, by the way. It's like a really bad game of telephone. You ever play that game where one person whispers in the ear and it gets all the way around, and by the time it gets through the whole circle, it is nothing like what was said at the beginning? It's not, well, in some cases it's deliberate in the game, but it's not deliberate. So the first thing is, is it true? If it's not true, then problem solved. You need to go no further. The second one, is this helpful? 
the whole point of this, this being together as a family and community of Christ is we want to help each other. We want to encourage one another. So is what I'm about to say helpful? Because if it's not, then don't say it. Or if it's between me and another person, go to that person and approach it as trying to be helpful. The second one, or the third one rather, is, is it inspiring? And this is another way of saying, is, does it lift people up? Because if I'm here to, to confront you about something that I've heard, it, with the sole intent to tear you down, that is not the model that we're called to. In fact, uh, many people think that gossip is a form of social control designed to tear others down. And why would one do that? Well, one might do that because I don't feel very good about myself, and I know that I'm not better than you, so the only way I can get you off your pedestal is not for me to improve. It's to tear you down. And gossip is a way to do that. And social media makes it ten times worse than it ever used to be. So is it inspiring? Does it lift up? Is it necessary? Do you have to talk about everything that comes up all the time? No. Some things just aren't worth bothering. Just let it be. Now, you have to decide what those things are. And if it's something, that, yeah, as we talked about, go back and, and look at resolving everyday conflict. There's a whole list of criteria that you can use to determine, is this necessary to confront someone about? And there's ways to do that that lift them up and inspire and are necessary. But not everything is necessary. Finally, is it kind? We can speak the truth, but we can do it with kindness. We can speak truth and flavor it with grace. We can speak truth in a way that builds each other up, myself included. And at the end of that, we can come together to a conclusion that lifts us both up. It doesn't have to be such a, a terrible, nasty thing. So hopefully this idea of this tongue being evil is getting better and better because we have some control. We have a choice. But let me tell you this. I am not good enough in willpower, in knowledge, and in speech to always speak perfectly. So I will ask your forgiveness in advance if I've offended you. And if I have, please come talk to me because I think it would be helpful and maybe necessary to our relationship. But I've saved the best for last. And this is the best. We can do something about this, but it's we can, not necessarily we can. And here's what it is. <clears throat> we said that the words have vast potential that just like the spark, it can start a fire that burns out of control. Well, here's God's alternative to that. What fights fire the best? Water. Boy, if we only knew a source of water. Because small input plus time makes a huge result. What if we gave water to that fire? What if we countered the gossip around us with water? Better yet, with living water. Maybe you've heard this term before. What if we used our words positively and over time, those small words of encouragement built people up. How much does it cost you? Since we're on cost today, the cost of a match being $1.68 billion, how much does it cost us to say a word of encouragement? Zero. So why are we so stingy with that, I wonder? I don't know, because God forbid that I would build someone else up because I'm going to feel smaller. But you know what happens? A rising tide lifts all boats. And if I'm encouraging someone else and someone else is encouraging me, then we all end up better for it. And here is the best, best, best of all. This is what Jesus says. 
that looked a lot better on my screen than it did here. This is Jesus. He breaks into the festival at the last day where they do the ceremonial pouring of water. And he says this, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Out of the overflow of our heart we speak. But if we believe in Jesus, as the Scriptures have said, then living water will flow out of our heart. And then where will that living water flow to? Our tongues. And where will those words flow to? To put out the raging fires that we see around us. One of the most interesting things I saw in these statistics in researching the forest fires is that they're getting more expensive and more pervasive in the last few decades. And the reason is because the conditions are favorable to fire. There's a lot of dead material laying around. There's been drought, there's been dryness, and so things are flammable. And as I was reading those words about the forest, I was reflecting on our culture. There's a lot of dead things laying around. It's time to let them go. There's a lot of dryness out there because spiritual dryness has taken over. We've been disconnected from the source of living water. And so many of our words lack that life-giving water. And instead, they create sparks. The only thing that we can do and the only thing that we should do is make this choice. Will I choose to spread those words before thinking? Will I disconnect my heart from my tongue? Or will I believe in Jesus, as the scriptures have said, and let the living water flow from my heart out of my tongue to encourage the community around me? Fire or water? The choice is ours. Will you pray with me, please? God, we thank you for your word that guides us in everything. We thank you that you give us these options to choose. God, we recognize at the same time that we are not strong enough to do this of our own accord, so pour out your Holy Spirit and guide us. Fill our hearts with that living water. Let it overflow in abundance so that our words bring you glory and share your grace and peace. God, help us to see that clearly. Help us to make that connection right here and now. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.